Elements, human-centered media storage. Elements.tv, the new centerpiece of your facility, which is so much more than just storage. Hey, everybody, it's George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School, here today with an interview that you just have to listen to. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, I have seen Peanut Butter Falcon, but I had no idea what went into making it. And the craziest part about that for me personally is that I have a lot of mutual friends and associations with the the gentleman who made Peanut Butter Falcon, Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. And yet, I didn't know. I didn't know the half of it, the quarter of it, the any of it. It it is a an absolutely amazing story. And it is as as I think Tyler says at one point in this interview, it is they are no film school. <laughs> Maybe Michael said that. I don't know. One of them did. And they just connect to the ethos, the process, the methodology. The I mean, and they read the site, of course, and have for a long time since before I've been around at the site. But they understand what we're about and what our community is about and what the idea of DIY filmmaking and storytelling in the way that uh, people, you know, I I can't even articulate it as well as they can. So I want to get you right into it Um, and stick around afterwards, of course, because I have some closing comments, but, and this is a long one, but I, I honestly, some of the things that come out at the very end are some of the best things. Um, you will come away from listening to these guys tell their story, uh, inspired, rejuvenated, rejuvenated, <laughs> and probably understanding a little bit about what it might take or what maybe you're missing. I honestly learned things about myself, about my own experiences in the industry, in life. Uh, there, this is a great. These guys are great, and I am so glad that they told their story to me and to all of you and that it's here and um the miracle of peanut butter falcon uh here we go hello my name is tyler nelson i just had an anxiety attack and shit myself uh on the first (laughs) that's why you probably didn't get this because it wasn't recording but George called at noon. I thought I ate heroin shrimp. It's a long story, but I had anxiety attack. An anxiety attack. Went upstairs, pooped myself, took a shower, and then now here we are, twenty minutes later on the call. Thank you, George. Hey, you know, I was I was running late too, and my reasons were not exciting or amazing or fantastical. And yours are beyond. Like, I mean, I've obviously never had a better backstory to an interview. <laughs> um, there never will be. It'll never be topped. Yeah, um, no I don't even know ever, if people are going to believe us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the best part of this whole thing is that I can sit here and confidently say, I thought I had eaten shrimp with drugs in it for some reason, and now I'm sitting here being like. Oh, thank God. I, I confidently can tell you I have not eaten any shellfish with drugs. 
It, was it like a shrimp cocktail? What kind of shrimp was it? It was like my friend Carson makes a shrimp salad. And I mean, I, she was like making me this shrimp salad. She made me, she makes me like six pounds of it at a time. And, uh, and she brought it over and she was like, Oh, it's like a secret ingredient in there. that like, I don't ever <laughs> tell anybody about. Uh, and I'm here with a friend who made a joke. Uh, she said, um, well, maybe the, the secret ingredient is heroin. And as somebody who, um, I ate some cookies with marijuana in them when I was in high in college once. And it was like a three day, like it was a journey. It was a, a whole like really challenging three day journey that I made it through. It was like a spiritual journey. And yeah. I felt, vision quest. Yeah. I, 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 unplanned I vision quest. Yeah. I didn't love it. And I'm, and I immediately <laughs> was like, I have some of that. Like, I'm like, I really don't like to, I don't fuck her. Like when I go in people's houses, I don't like eat chocolate. You know, like, oh, the fucking chocolate. Like, I'm like, I don't do it because I know that, you know, you don't know. So then yeah. uh, Ari said, she said, um, yeah, um, maybe the secret ingredient is heroin. Just like joking around. Uh, and I had one giant cup of coffee, nothing to eat today. And then my brain was like, oh, you know what you should do? You should fucking spiral and spin. And this could, you know, like, and then I was like, I can feel my skin dilate i i know this is the end here and, you know i was like, trying to control of my fucking breath and and then we had the call with you george and i was just like ah oh, fuck and then like and, and so the people listening um he was like i can't hear you uh, are you there tyler and i was muted like pooping myself while trying to get in the shower because i'm having anxiety and just like oh give me a minute give me a minute <laughs> I think Tyler's superpower, and I think this is why I like being like creative partners with him, is he feels everything a hundred and forty-five percent, like completely. So if it's like somebody might have anxiety, Tyler has one point five x anxiety. Also, if somebody has joy, Tyler feels it like one point five x. It's just he lives in the extremes, which I think that's is really good because like stories are yeah. are always like the extreme moments if we're if you're writing a screenplay it's not about the boring shit existing in somebody's life it's about the most memorable day of their life i know it, it, it's, it's true what it, the the french new wave thing was like it's like that what they did is they the, they went in and basically let's just cut out the boring parts you know the people walking up to the you know in the wide like why don't we, we don't need that boring shit so it's yes it's very true mike Oh, this yeah. just in. This just in on the group text. So we're we're working on a show with David Duchovny, and he just called, and I was like, "Hey, we're on a podcast. We'll holler after." Holler after. His response: Be brilliant and don't ruin your life. <laughs> does that make? Does that bring up the anxiety again? Actually, given what does. we just talked about, formidable. Like, <laughs> yeah. so peanut butter falcon. Uh, you guys are. There's a lot of things I want to talk to you guys about. Um, I don't want to keep David Duchovny waiting endlessly, but um, this movie, uh, is like, we wrote about it on no film school a little bit, and it's just a beautiful heartfelt, um, fun and, and emotional and solid journey. It's a, it's an, in, it's, it's the kind of movie we don't see a lot, right? Like we get less and less, but we used to get more of where it's like, it's an original idea. It's about human beings. It's about some human beings who are a little bit different than the rest of us. And it's, and it's, I don't want to spoil things, but if you don't know about it out there, you should definitely check it out. And Michael and Tyler made it. So what I want to know, like from you guys is like, I know a little bit about Michael because we have some, you know, common 
acquaintances and stuff. And apparently Tyler and I have a common last name in our lineage, but I want to know. So maybe we're related because I also have crazy anxiety. So who knows? But um, I want to know, how did you guys get started? Like, where did the careers start? And and obviously there's a long road between when you started and Peanut Butter Falcon. But for an audience that is always looking to understand how to get to the next thing in this industry, this grind. Like I want to, I want to pick your guys' brains. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll start, I guess. I came to town 15 years ago to Los Angeles to be an editor or aspire to be an editor. I always really liked images and music and story and how they went together and had been messing around with like iMovie on my computer. So came to town and, you know, got coffee for people and, Worked my way up to an apprentice position and then an assistant position at an editing company that did commercials. And Tyler and I were friends and neighbors um, in Santa Monica. We just happened to live in the same apartment building. Where and, I just I've I've lived in Santa Monica my whole life. So. Oh yeah, yeah. From so Earth Earth Cafe on Main, um, across the street. Hollister. The, Hollister. Okay. Um, cool. be- yeah. Between Earth and the beach, there was a like an old like hundred year old building. The um, board. called. Yeah, that's not far from the first apartment I ever lived in in my life. And also, I think the apartment my my first girlfriend lived in. But anyway, let's not. This is getting way inside baseball about (laughs) LA LA streets. So let's go. Let's get back to being an editor and meeting your neighbor, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, so we were just doing that and Tyler was acting and, you know, we are both sort of learning a lot, but not having a lot of opportunity to really make or tell stories that were super important to us. And then we started working together and just like, Hey, let's make a short film or let's make a commercial. And then the peanut butter Falcon of it started almost six or seven years ago. Um, we were hanging out with Zach, the lead actor with down syndrome in our movie at a camp for people with and without disabilities in Venice. And he was like, Hey, I want to be a movie star. Write me a movie. And t- <laughs> yeah. And and Tyler and I were looking to make a feature. We're like, it's kind of a good idea. Let's do it. Nice. So that was seven years ago. Yeah, it took a long time. Tell me about the seven year project. Tell me about the process of like like and and I guess yeah. Tell me tell me how you guys went from that. You know that seven years ago having this this idea to write the screenplay and then like where how how it built into an actual movie starring multiple famous people premiering at South by Southwest. All right. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> so, so, so funny because I'm like, I don't know if I'm that good of an editor. Like, <laughs> I, like, it's, I know you're great. But I, just, I have these daunting moments. Like tell us what happened in the past seven years. And I want to like go chunk, like full chunk in the Goonies and be like, well, you know, I'll start it. You know, like, please like, do. Yeah. <laughs> day by day. Give me a day by day breakdown. I also admittedly something I think I'm really coming to as I get older is like I come from my I think I mean not come from that generation, but like my father's of the generation where it's rude to talk about yourself. So I'm just like, Oh, you want me to talk about me? <laughs> you know, like I'm like I I think I used to be better at it, but now I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm born. Mike, Mike hilariously, is, by the way, because I come, I was more the actor and Mike was like the editor, but Mike has taken, we've sort of weirdly switched places and Mike um, takes more front of the house now and I kind of lean back and, and watch him, watch him work. It's nice. It's nice to hear 
from somebody around here who doesn't want to talk about themselves. I don't. I don't. (laughs) I feel like it's so like masturbatory sometimes. And I do think it's hilarious. And people like, well, I just wanted to, and I'm just like, I don't fucking know, man. We just one foot in front of the other for seven straight gosh darn years. I'm like, you know, it was really tough and we're best friends and I wouldn't quit for him and he wouldn't quit for me. And we just held on tight. And all of a sudden you got to, you know, 110 pages that are okay and you grind on it more and then they're okay even a little bit better and you know you're working we were working for zach and we were working for ourselves and we just it was it was really it was a really tough time you know like it was it was a really challenging time um but I'm that's really a good answer yeah i think we're i mean i'm really grateful we're on the other end of it like i remember yeah like we were living in tents uh, Mike was sleeping in his car, you know, like I was, um, you know, George, I know you guys, you know, the guys over at Deuce, but like, you know, I was going to like Deuce and like trying to get free classes and like sleep in the bathroom there. You know, like I was like, we were like, it was all, it was the only thing we were doing. We weren't really doing like nine to five jobs. We were like, let's do this or let's die trying. So that's, that's, that's bold. I wonder if I walked in. So just for people, just like background, uh, Deuce is a gym I used to work out at, Michael and Tyler. Apparently, we're sleeping there. I, I didn't run into them when you guys were sleeping in the bathrooms. Well, I, was, I was trying to. I never, I like, Logan was a good friend of mine. And like, I mean, even if, you know, I know your friends with the RS, like, I, yeah. would try to, I would like house it for him when he was out of town or like try to let him sleep in that garage he had. Like, you know, like you just, I was just trying to keep a roof over my head as best as I could while still still staying true to like, you know, my best friend Mike. Well, I will say this. I think we thought we were empowered by naivete. Like we thought we could make a movie and it would take us three months. You know, like cool, we got the script. We got Zach. Um, we were gonna make it with four people. Like Tyler was going to play the role that Shia LaBeouf ended up playing and we were going to get our friend Dave to bring his camera and I was going to cut it together. And we're just like, cool, we'll make this for $20,000. Like we could do this, right? Like we've been reading no film school long enough to know you can do this. <laughs> you can. And we, and that's the, that's yes, that's beautiful. Well said. And so like we were trying and we couldn't get, we figured to make it that way with four people and borrowing boats, we'd need about $20,000. And we couldn't raise that. Like we were asking people for $500 at a time. You know, you read the articles about like, this is how the Cohen brothers did it. And like we could. Peter Fonda maxing out credit cards. There's a yes. lot of, there's a lot of romantic stories about, you couldn't get Aris to like prop you guys up or something. We <laughs> tried. Honestly, we tried. Yeah, we did. Aris is a mutual, again, I don't want to go too, I want to give some context. Aris is a mutual friend of all of ours who won Survivor, crazily enough. Yes. Aris was actually, he was, he was a help. He totally like, there's, there's along the route, I think there's people that give you hope that something is going to work out. And Aris is a really accomplished guy. Like you said, you know, like he's, he won Survivor. He runs a really successful clothing company. And like, he he's didn't got, look. He, he's just one of those guys with the Midas touch, isn't he? Like, yeah, he's, he's a he bench, is, but man. he's like, he just like, he walks around and like creates things. Like he manifests yeah. things in the world. It's, it's right. I love the way he vibrates through this world, man. And, uh, you know, he, he's a really special dude. So he didn't look at us like we were crazy. He was like, cool. Like, <laughs> like, let me know how I can help. I sometimes play basketball with whoever, you know, like maybe I can make a connection, but like, Tyler and I for two years couldn't get anybody to read the script that we thought was 
okay. Like we didn't know. Like I don't know. I think it's pretty good. Let me ask real quick before you yeah. continue. Was it the same script that it ended up being at that point? That was the script that you that you thought was okay that you couldn't get people to read. Is that the script we ended up seeing on the screen? Pretty much. It's pretty similar. I'll just because that script, right. guys. That yeah. script, awesome. Same like, I mean, I think. Sorry, I was you were say, right. It's better than okay. <laughs> I was going to say that was some false modesty on my point on my end. I knew it was great. <laughs> like honestly, like, we fucking worked so hard on it. It's almost cool to say, you know, I thought it was okay, but the truth is, I was sitting there reading. I was like, this shit is amazing. I'll go. And, I'll go a level deeper. I thought it was great, and I didn't know if I was delusional. How about that? Well, okay. That see, that's a fascinating point, and I want to stick on it for a second because I think a lot of time I've been there. Sometimes you'll write something and you'll be like, "Okay, I think this is great," but I have no idea. And it's yeah. hard to get other people to read scripts in this town, even if you have reps, even if you have like a producer attached. Like people just don't read that much, and it's hard to get them to pay attention, and it's hard to get them to see what's what's there. But like you guys were right, you were holding aces in your hand there. So our move, and and I know you guys, thank you, like posted the script on on your site. And I think a link to this EPK that we made that, that talked a little bit about the process. But we decided to go and shoot a trailer, basically five minutes of sample footage that showed the world, showed the tone, showed that Zach was a great actor. And that's what really opened the doors for us. So after two years of like smashing our head against the wall and nobody reading it, we took literally a month went to North Carolina like Tyler had some family friends that let us stay in their house and we went out and like tried to get two minutes of footage a day that we could cut down into a five minute reel and show people like this is the movie we're making and it worked like we cut it together put music to it and we started showing it around town and people were like that's cool and then they read the script and they're like the script is good too let's make this movie that's amazing. So, it, I mean, it can happen, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, people that's people think that this will happen, and it really doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. And it you guys- It happened to us. Like, it right. really did. Like, it happened to us. And I, and I, I, I have blessings. I'm so grateful for it. But yeah, it, it, to speak to what you're saying, George, like, people, it's, it was really tough to get people to read a script. And, I, and it's tough. For, I still don't really read other people's scripts, like, unless I'm, you know- invested uh on some level like not invested but you know like just if they're a friend of mine or like you know i don't i don't really if somebody's like will you read my script i'm usually like i don't know you know like it's gonna take me a couple hours you know right and there's a million things to watch on streaming or people to yeah. text or things yeah. to do like there's, it's so hard to get anyone's attention for anything and it's nobody's fault but yeah uh i i would say that you guys did one of the smartest things that we always advise people to do on no film school but that everybody like create something like a sizzle or a trailer that demonstrates like that you can do this yourself, that you're the guys to do it. Right. Exactly. You have the yeah. vision and that, that there's a reason for them to read it, that there's something there. I mean, most people, like uh, if I look to people that came before us and I'm like, okay, Dayton and Ferris and little miss sunshine. And that was their first movie. And you know, Jeff Nichols came up and he did shotgun stories. And then he did like we didn't have any of that we didn't have like a really cool quarter million dollar feature that we'd made we hadn't made any super bowl commercials we were just a couple of dudes sleeping in our cars and i think that took an extra amount of delusion to think to like yeah we're the guys to do this and we also were reasonable we were very open to people coming in and taking the acting roles and taking the directing job if we thought they were better than us and, the, and there's a lot of people that were like, oh, they, they would have been great. 
but nobody raised their hand. And so we're so, like, well, well, we can do it. Yeah. So there's a, I got so many questions, but how did you guys end up getting the directing job on this? <laughs> like, it's so hard to get a script, like having been a screenwriter who like suffered through the grind for a long time. Like oftentimes, you, you know, I'd have a property maybe that people were interested in, but they would be like, but yeah, we got to find like attach a director or something. Like I think that. The, yeah. the truth is, George, is I think that we uh, made ourselves like what's irreplaceable. We, we weren't replaceable. Like we chose, you know, and we were aware, like, nobody was going to come in and direct Zach like we were. We knew him like the back of our hands. We knew, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, an actor with Down syndrome for the people who are listening. Um, and he's just a, he's a, he's a different kind of actor. We had to shift for him, but we knew him so well that like nobody was going to come in and get the performance out of him that we could. So we were irreplaceable. Um, we knew the script better. We were the experts on the entire world. So we were irreplaceable and we found the right financiers. You know, we, we got, tell me, can you guys tell me about that? Like, take, like, did you have agents? Did you have any no, reps at all? We had, we had nothing. Aris was our most connected, powerful friend. <laughs> like we had nothing, no agents, no managers, no friends that are famous. Like we, we really didn't like, we didn't, like, you know, come from LA and our mom was like, no, we had absolutely nothing. Uh, we would just send crazy three line emails 30 times a day. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, we, we broke it down. <laughs> to to a, we broke it down to a science. So we were like all over IMDB. We'd crack the code of like, okay, this agency does first initial dot last name at whatever company name.com. Oh and, amazing. and we, you know, we applied for the Sundance labs. Like when you guys put out the list of grants, like uh, there was summer grants, every, every know about. Yeah. Yeah. So for like two years, we applied for all those grants. Nobody wrote like, I don't even think they wrote back to say no, like just (laughs) like we didn't like we didn't get anything. And then we applied for the Sundance labs and you know, that's like a 15 page process. And we focused on it and we like, Oh, we were so pumped and we didn't get into the Sundance labs, but we got the emails of the women that were in charge of the Sundance labs. And we're like, Hey, uh, well, we knew what their names were. Google. Like, like, just like Google. Like Google. you just Google who's in charge of the Sundance Labs, and then we cracked like the the Sundance email code, oh, and we man. just said, "Hey, you know, just really want to appreciate, like, write to thank you for the opportunity to, to apply. Just thinking about our film with the questions that you presented really helped us develop the film even further. Could we um, meet you for coffee? You know, we're in LA, and they were oh. like, totally. So they wow. they met us for coffee. And then we use that and put it on our three-line e- email because we realized four-line, nope, nobody's reading the fourth line. Like, how can you make your shit stand out in three lines? It, so it then made we, us better writers, too. It made us better it, writers because it was like, what matters? What yeah. to get the door open? So we'd be doing, like, line one, like, um, just had a conversation with Anne and Elise at Sundance, and they mentioned you as somebody we should talk to about this film. Boom, it's this boom, here's a link to the sample footage. And if, you know, we track our links too, it's crazy. You know, so we'd get like 20% of people would click through on the link and actually watch. And if they did click through, we could follow up. Like we were nerds about it. Like we were hackers of trying to like figure out everything we could do to get it made. Full, like you got to massage the algorithm. You got to watch it. You got to pay attention. 
I have two big questions here. One is, um, where did the original drive for both of you? Like, I know you met as neighbors. There was an actor and editor, not from LA, but to, to have this level, this is the level I think that that it requires, perhaps this up to, on the grind. Like, but but to have this dead, like, what was this? Where were you guys? Just like we are gonna fucking make movies, like come hell or high water. Like, what was it? What was that kernel that drove I think, this? I think beginning? for for me, it's a lot about a teammate. So like, I didn't want to let Tyler down. I didn't want to let Zach down. You know, we promised Zach we were going to make a movie for him, like with him. And then growing up, like I ran long distance. So I'd go out and run 20 miles every Sunday and I'd suffer and I'd feel that. And I'd know that once I finish, I'd feel satisfaction, which I think is different than happiness. And for me, more important, I want to feel satisfaction. I want to know that I did everything I could to make something happen or, if it was running track, everything I, I could to get faster. Um, and then I think that's just a transferable skill set to whatever you do. And then for Tyler and I, it was making this movie happen. Tyler, do you have a background in, in athletics or something like that? that no, that- I'm mean, a swimmer and a surfer. Um, but I, I, I mean, I th- probably similar to Mike. Um, I also think that the drive within me was – and because we we're writing this project right now about, you know, they're like, why does this girl want to be a writer? And I like, I'm like, well, because she does. I'm like, yeah, but why? And um, I think the truth is, is and I've heard this often is like, I just couldn't do anything else. I couldn't, like, I didn't have like, I, I know it sounds like it might sound elitist or like, I don't know what it might sound like, but like, I couldn't get a job as a bartender. I would get fired. <laughs> I couldn't get a job as a waiter. Like I was not a good waiter. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I was. A I think PA. it's, it's the opposite of elitist. Like you actually, and I'll, I'll know this. And I love Tyler. Like he is my dude. I've chosen him as my role dog and my partner to tell stories. But there is this thing where, where you're like, it, you have so much art in you that you can't be tied down to do things that you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Have you guys ever have you guys seen the Coen Brothers movie Inside Lewin Davis? Yeah. There was a when I when I saw it, I felt like it really like touched a chord as a creative or as somebody who's who's fought the battle because he comes up against it so many times. And it's not about success or satisfaction. It's just about, well, I don't think I can do anything else. And no matter how bad this gets, this is it. Like yeah. this is the grind. And I think that's talk- Tyler. That's me. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about. It's so relatable for people pursuing this this kind of career. But you know, the, my second question, because I was going to ask about that kernel, was going to be about like you know we talked about it uh, before we started, Michael. But this idea that exercise or pushing yourself and suffering is is part of the deal. Um, with exercise, like that pushing yourself and suffering being like, why am I doing this? And yet there's a good, there's a good feeling that comes with it. And obviously there's benefits. And I wonder, we never talk about the, like the crossovers between like something like athletics. We talk about it all the time. Well, you, yeah, you guys, we meaning I, like on no film school, we never talked about it. And I think, I think when I say we, I also mean like as a community or maybe as a filmmaking culture, like the things are not seen as crossing over, but I feel like not just because I cross over to both, but also because I'm talking to you guys and you do, I think there is a really good crossover or lesson, which is like, if you stop working the muscles, the muscles go away. 
Oh yeah, if it's, it's lateral. It's lateral, like lateral. Uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where like, it, like one is doesn't seem to be connected to the other, but you can tra- like transfer that energy laterally. And there's there's yeah. a, there's atrophy and inertia too. You know, like when Tyler and I think of ideas, like a lot of times we're actually walking. There is a a positive. Um, association between when the blood starts flowing in the legs and we're out. Sometimes we'll walk all day. We'll walk 20 miles in a day. Just like, okay, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? We're not sitting at a at a keyboard typing a story. We're just talking about what is what happens in a story. And then we come back and we'll write it later. But there is, I think even like Greek philosophers would do, like there was a workout regimen to unlock philosophical ideas that was part of the system. It's certainly yeah. mine. It works for like I I do it all the time. Like I, in that moment of um, sheer exhaustion when you like want to lay on the floor because you've done you know whatever that thing is, that's when I feel connected, and that's when like I almost get. It's the moment where I get out of my own way, and then I'm like, oh, there you are. That's the idea. That's how we, you know, like that's the thing. And then I'll, I'll just if I can kind of do that once a day, it usually really helps me find the project it helps me clear that space out i i couldn't agree more i think that the best ideas or thoughts often come in that space like that that it opens up a mental space where the the clutter is gone and you're just in a moment and you're happy there's yeah. like a rush and it's you know it's an endorphin thing or whatever it is but and it and it, there's clarity and yeah. uh, there's passion too like excitement um and i think similarly uh, even if the two things, if if you're not connecting the two things, like if you're not working on writing or if you're not thinking of ideas, like that skill set will fade. You know, you got to do just like if you stop, you know, running, you'll lose the ability to run as far. Yeah, I look at I look at it like a mind body spirit connection. Like you know, like it's sort of like a nice three prong thing there. Whereas I'm trying to be healthy in all forms to create the space for me to connect to that thing as best possible. You got to cut back on the heroin shrimp then. Cause that's. <laughs> Dude, I know. Don't get him started. <laughs> Don't lose him. <laughs> Admittedly. I was just doing double unders. I was feeling amazing. I was like shredding this morning, doing ripping double unders and box jumps. And then I was like, I'm on top of the world. And then, you know, a little bit of coffee and your mind thinks you eat some heroin. I don't even, can you eat heroin? I don't even know if that's possible. I, yeah, I don't. As soon as you said that, I was like, he can't really mean that because well, I, I know, <laughs> I know, it's stupid. Like that's the thing is, I know it was dumb to be like, I might have. I don't know if it'll get you high, but I bet it could give you diarrhea. I, you'd make you sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that would happen. I wasn't really scared of getting diarrhea. I was more scared of uh, just basically like losing mental control. And I also well, think it's creative. I think that we sort of push ourselves to that like that beautiful edge. Where, you know, like we're like, look, I'm not. You know, I'm not like completely gone but like you know we i go look over the edge i peer over the edge and sometimes people fall over it uh i've had friends that seem to have done that sometimes where they've gone too far and i think as a creative i kind of tether and i go peek over it and i come back and i write it down and i peek over again and then sometimes you have that moment like did i slip over the edge am i over the edge now (laughs) welcome to the future of remote editing Imagine being a thousand kilometers away from your post-production suite. With Elements Satellite, you can easily access your editing workstation remotely with extreme responsiveness, unmatched frame rate, and ultimate security. 
Due to the immense demand for high bandwidth and low latency, video production is often too challenging for traditional remote access tools. Elements Satellite is the first remote access solution purpose built for the media entertainment industry. Now, editing can be done with superb quality from anywhere in the world without any restrictions. Arrange your free trial at elements.tv satellite today. You, you told the story, basically. You created a movie, a narrative about what happened with these shrimp, right? And it was real to you. Yeah. And that's the same engine that's going to allow you to write a good story. It's like something your mind is going to run. It's going to take something and it's going to take go on a race and it's going to go all kinds of places and flesh out a whole world. Um, and, and that engine that does that is the same one that helps you tell a good story. Absolutely. Um, but, I get, you got to get it under control. Okay? <laughs> like, you got so to hold on to go ahead. When it comes to pe- back to peanut butter Falcon though, again, like, so you guys were, you hacked the system. You're sending these emails, you were tracking your YouTube links and somebody bit what happened. Like, when did it, when did somebody, when did the moment come that someone was like, Hey, we're legit serious. And I want, like, by the way, I, I love, I, I also want to give you as a writer that like page 25, like, and then this happened. But, <laughs> uh, it wasn't really like, like it, I wish, I sometimes wish we could be like, and then this is the thing, but we don't really have that. It was like, this, like we were sort of slowly building. I mean, I don't know, Mike. We could like we a could, brick wall. We are slowly building a brick wall until the brick wall is ten feet tall. It's just not happening. And then when it is, you realize, like, oh shit, I guess it's happening. So there were there were things like our friends, Lige and Dave, like signed on as producers and were pushing forward. And all of us were trying to make things happen. And then there were some like bigger bricks. Like Josh Brolin put up uh, a post on New Year's, probably five or six years ago now, and he's like among 10 things like i'm gonna live healthy this year i want to help people i want to do this and this and we just dm'd him and we're like we'll take some of that help like we i don't know who you're giving that help to but like we're people and we need help and we're making a movie and we sent him that video that we had made and he wrote back 10 minutes later and was like that's not what i was talking about but i'll I'll help you and then that's all we needed we didn't we were like don't clarify that shit we just started calling people and we're like, we're making a movie with Josh Brolin. Yeah. yeah. And then, and he's then not, he's not listed as a producer. So tell me. About he's special. Thanks. You know, oh, he, okay. Did, okay. he totally helped us. Like he totally helped us. And yeah, he wasn't able to do the movie. Did you d- wait. So you DM'd him on Twitter. See, Tyler just said there wasn't like a page 25 moment. And you just told me what could definitely be a page 25. Well, okay. If you wanted it. But uh, sure. So in the edit room right now of no film school, our page 25 moment is John. No, he said, he said, I'll help you. And then what we, I look back on this. I'm not like, this is not cool. I'm not like, like we're cool, but like, it's what happened. So it's I don't want to come appear as like a liar or someone who spreads myths, mistruths, but we definitely started calling agencies and we were like, we have a go film with Josh Brolin. And they were like, Oh, Josh Brolin said, yes. And we were like, you know, I said, I'll help you. you know, like, <laughs> God, that is not lying. That's Hollywood, man. Yeah, that's like, that's what everybody does. Like that's the smartest thing you could do. I think it's and, smart. And it's also the thing that like, as I move forward in my life, I'd love to, like I like it's a cool story. It's also like I hope we don't like have to, to do not it. do it. Yeah, I yeah, I do it anymore because it was like we were 
Josh Brown didn't say, I will star in your movie. He said, I'll help you. And then that's like, you know, also like with the Sundance labs, like we sent our paperwork in, we were finalists. So we were like, we didn't get into the Sundance labs, but we told everybody we were finalists at the Sundance labs, you know, like we're the finalists, you know, like, so it's like, it's certainly a stretch of the truth, but um, you know, we got with that, we started, you know, that was our first handhold. And then we started to get like other people were like, Oh, well, you know, I remember the first time somebody called us from like paradigm or CAA and they're like, Hey, we, we read the script and uh, we'd love to pitch a couple clients for Eleanor. And I remember just being like, Oh my God, I'm living in a tent. And we're talking to people on the phone and I was like, Oh yeah, totally. Let's talk about Eleanor. <laughs> Wait, where was the tent at this point? In Los Feliz, I, w- I went. Um, in the bathroom at Deuce or in Aris's no, backyard? No, uh, no, it was um, it was uh, in Los Feliz, back behind a, a couple friends' places that like sort of backing up into Griffith Park, um, and they were kind enough to let me put up a, a basically a, a tent. I Mike and I made, and Mike was uh, I slept in that tent for a long time, and Mike stayed in his car up in San Francisco. Um, and it was gracious enough. Mike's kept taking uh, edit jobs. I was, I was editing like there's there's like ad agencies make like sort of two minute videos to talk about commercials that they made so that they might win awards. So I was I was a guy I would take gigs like cutting together those awards videos they call them. Yeah. And Mike um, would float me like I'd be like, hey Mike, can I borrow like a hundred dollars? And he'd be like, yeah. How did you How did you do that out of your car? Well, then my car, I'd sleep in my car and then I'd go into the ad agency. Oh, got it. Yeah. During, during the day and sit at the computer they had there and push buttons. And then I'd yes. go back to my car at night and I'd drive away like I was going home or somewhere. And then I'd sleep in my car. And then I'd get up and I'd do like I had handy wipes. Um, and I had a pretty good system with like five wipes. I could get pretty clean. And then I'd go back in and do it the next day. Amazing. Um, you guys are are an inspiration. But I want to clarify something about for everybody who's listening about you made a really good point about you don't want to do that again, like saying like, hey, we got uh, Josh Brolin said he yes, you know, and I think the thing that's really important to clarify is there's a lot of people because I said that's Hollywood, you know, cliche. There's a lot of people who do stuff like that. And there's nothing right. Like there's nothing to back it up. There's no passion project. There's no great script. There's no idea. There's no, you know, they're just playing Hollywood. Like they're just like, I got a maybe from so-and-so and and I'm going to schmooze around. And like what you guys did was you used some of those tools or techniques, but you had something that you really, really believed in and that you put a lot into. And that was actually really good. And you believed in it being good. And that's the difference. Like you don't want to do that again and you don't want to encourage, we don't want to encourage people to do those things necessarily. But if, if the thing behind it is like solid and like yeah. heartfelt, like your yeah. story is like, and, and you've got your, and you went out to North Carolina and you shot your trailer and stuff. Like, I think then those tactics are like, it's a, by any means necessary and it's not hurting anybody. That's sort of know? what it was like. And, 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 you know, thank you for pointing that out, George. It was, that was after we had ground out on that script for the better part of a year. That was after we had done all these things and we had tried every door and knocked on every door and emailed every person. And, you know, that was like, it was clear that we weren't going to succeed the way we had been moving. And we, 
you know, and I know it's very clever, but, you know, or it seems very clever, but it was like we had to figure out something. And the truth is, is Josh Brolin said, I'll help you. And so that was, you know, we took that and ran. We also, by the way, ran into him on the beach, uh, like in Santa Monica, probably like, I don't know, a year ago now. And I was like, holy shit, it's Josh Brolin. And he looked did you me. say thanks? for? <laughs> like, did, you, did you guys talk about that? And he called out to us. He called out to us. He was like, the peanut butter guys. <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, holy shit. And he's like, hey, man, I went and saw the movie in the theater. Great job. Great yeah. job. Yeah, he's really so cool. cool. You guys are, uh, you guys are everybody. You're the dream. You, you, you're the dream come true. But the, but the important part about the story, I think, is that it was what you did to get it and how hard it was. Like it's not, uh, you know, you had a five wipe shower system in the car. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's like it was. That's truly the grind. Yeah, um, dude. it was. Uh, I was eating one piece of chicken every day. I ate like one piece of chicken and some butter coffee and like a half of a yam. I got so shredded. <laughs> I was gonna say, were you still like doing? crossfit stuff yeah dude, i was a, i was i was working out at uh do you remember um uh uh, uh zeb and um armin uh they started a gym over in glendale and i would go over there and shred up with those guys but yeah i was just like i got so cut <laughs> i got so cut <laughs> so the, the, there's a it's a diet plan and a way to make a movie um yeah. I, so like but i want to say like so you got people making calls when you were in a tent and in a car about like, let's talk about Eleanor, but like Dakota Johnson played Eleanor. Bruce Dern is in this movie. Shia LaBeouf is in this movie. Thomas Hayden Church is in this movie. Like John, like this is a big, <laughs> a big cast of known people. Like, tell me about like, I don't want to take up the rest of your guys day, et cetera. But, but the story is so great. You ended up with a great cast and like this production, like once, once all these bricks come together, like you said, like little pieces started coming together, you're working on a set with like stars, like multiple stars. And like, you got a DP and like, tell me about all of that. I, like, I think what, I, like, was it culture shock. Like what happens? Like, no, I mean, it, it took so long. I don't think it could have been culture shock. It, like after seven years or six years or however long it took, it was just like, it was such a slow build. They were just like, cool, this is what's happening now. Um, and I do think, you know, film, when you are making it with more than four people, or even when you're making it with four people, it's such a collaborative process. So we had like these bricks that we were adding were really great producers and really experienced producers and really passionate people that helped all those things happen. So like um, when Josh came on, we got Albert and Ron who had made, um, like Little Miss Sunshine in Nebraska and Cold Mountain. And they had relationships with like, they they knew Dakota Johnson. They'd made a movie with Shia, Shia LaBeouf called Charlie Countryman. Like they, um, I think were legitimizing enough for like, hey, if, if Albert and Ron trust Mike and Tyler, then I guess they're going to do a good job. You know, like in a way that like if we, these are guys who, these are producers, Albert Berger and Ron, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ron Yerksa, yeah. Yeah, Yerksa. These are producers who have ushered in great independent film and great independent filmmakers before. So yeah, so you had like, you had a strong, strong corner man, so to speak. It, yes. And even like, I'll, I'll be honest, like I didn't know, like Tyler and I had always done the, and again, it's so no films. We're still like, my brain works like this. Like we'll do everything. So like we didn't know. You, know, you try to take work. the camera from your DP and like. <laughs> no, I mean like the, like the produ like little things like the producers are like, who do you want to be your like art director? 
And we're just like, well, Tyler will do it. He's great at that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, no, like you're going to be busy directing. Like, and we're just like, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, we would go meet this guy, Gabe. And he ended up doing a phenomenal job. And it was like, oh yeah, there's no way we could have done this. I didn't really know what a first AD was, you know, like, and, and it was essential. Our guy, James Grayford was like so good at scheduling and making all that shit work. And when actors can only show up for two days and the light and the sun and the tide has to be just right. Like all these positions were so essential. And the, like our team was the people that knew how that really worked. And they just sort of put us in a position to control the vibe, control the story, you know, be the last set of eyes on everything and communicate and delegate. Um, so that, you know, sort of happened relatively quickly once we were on set. And then, you know, the actors, I I think it was really helpful. And I'll just communicate this because I know like there's a lot of filmmakers listening. I think it was really helpful for us very early on, you know, like when you tell a story, you want it to feel cohesive. So we'd cut scenes together at night and we we started out, it was just Shia and Zach for the first week. And we cut those scenes together that they'd done and we were able to show those to other people. So like when Dakota showed up, when John Hawk showed up, when Bernthal showed up, we were able to show them those scenes and be like, this is the movie we're making. And they were able to adjust their performances and be like, oh, I get it. Wow. Cool. I'll like, I'm going to do, I'm going to perform in, in a way that fits in with that. Where did you, so you guys were shooting and then at night you would take like dailies or something. What did you guys shoot on? Shot on Alexa, like we were super fortunate. By the time this movie went, it was like it's a real movie, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. The, this guy Chris Lamal like gave us millions of dollars to make a movie. So, like, yeah, like our DP, you know, chose to shoot on an Alexa. Like, I'm, and it is so fun. Known as a film school, uh, no film school audience. Like, I think you can shoot like on a Sony A7S and like make a great movie. Someone, I also hole is clenching right now. Like they're listening. Like, <laughs> But also, like, I'm not going to tell a DP that can do it better than I can how to do it. So, like, I don't know if you guys know how, like, Whole Foods runs their thing, but, like, they put people in front of, like, you are in charge of the cheese section. And I'm not going to tell you how to run the cheese. You're in charge, and you run the beer section. And if you if your uncle runs a brewery in Cincinnati and you want to bring in that beer, do it. Like, you're in charge. So we like run our set like that. And and if the DP like wants to use an Alexa and really great like Panavision lenses, that's awesome. I support that. You know, like it, also if he was like, hey, I want to use uh, Sony Venice. I'd have been like, that's cool, too. I think it'll look great. You know, I know in post there's so much that we can do. Like we have a very specific idea of our look and and the film grains that we're going to multiply onto the footage and the coloring that we're going to do and how far the blacks are going to, like, we know all that, but I also know that there's so many cameras that can do that. It's not, it's not really a big deal to me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've heard this echoed like from people all around the industry. It's extremely wise of you, but it's just like the don't, don't muddle. Like everybody's a, a professional a craftsperson, an artist who knows their side of things. And like, you can be better by letting them do their thing than by trying to micromanage, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. So, so brick by brick, it came together and you guys were shooting and it was a real movie. And then like South by Southwest, like when did you realize that was going to happen? Like, oh dog. Like it's <laughs> here's our <laughs> battle has just begun by the way, uh, because we got into South by Southwest and 
it was our last hope. I mean, we'd been rejected from Toronto. We were rejected from just all the Telluride. We were rejected from Sundance. Like we were just endless rejections. And I know, like I'll I'll speak for Tyler too because we've spoken about this. We take it really seriously when when you know somebody trusts us enough or anybody that's put in all this work trusted us, and it's like our job to you know make get the investors their money back if that's possible, or or you know make the actors look good or anybody that works so hard for us, it was our responsibility to make this movie good and help it get seen. And it was really daunting to be like, Oh God, like we tested it. It's testing really well, but nobody will program it. And, and then when we finally got into South by, it was like the last chance where I think we were just going to like, 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 I like really the movie could have just been shelved. Like, I don't know. You know, you there's, oh, man. there's so no, this is, I want to highlight this again. Like I want to plant a flag in this for listeners. And like, I know you guys know this, but this is just, this is something we talk about a lot. Like the grind doesn't stop because you got all those steps, right? All those bricks laid, all those pieces came together. You shot this movie, you had all this money and then you were still hanging by a thread, right? Like it's still like you were still stressing because it was not over because there's no like it's like that. It's like a workout that just never ends. Right. (laughs) By the way, this is where I think the like the story almost really starts because there is so many. uh, Yeah. Like so we made the movie. Great. End of end of end of chapter. Uh, end of podcast. Uh, no. That end end of the oh. introduction. <laughs> no. It was, uh, yeah. It was that was simply the uh, the 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 appetizer to the um, to the grind. It was you know we got into South by. Thank you. I'm so grateful. You know whoever, if South by whoever's listening. You know if you're with just what a wonderful team they got there and got in there and and we went and we did our best and shook hands and said thank you to everybody. And we won the audience award. We had like five sold out screenings and they did another encore one. Like it was really special. We were like, we were like the talk of the town. It felt like, you know, we were like getting great reviews and we were, I remember I was there. I was, yeah, I was so- should have hung out guys next time. <laughs> yeah. Next <laughs> There's time. never another in-person South by. <laughs> uh, and then we were excited for offers. Cause we were like, dude, we're sure that somebody's going to pony up and say, Hey, you guys are the talk of the town. Everybody loved you at South by let's buy your film. Nobody came knocking. No, nope. did not happen. So we like Tyler and I like got on a plane, like went to New York. We were knocking on doors of all these distributors that we love. Were you guys, were you guys living in LA or were you? Yeah, like- well, we're, we're living in LA at this point and had a little bit of money, but we like, whatever, just figure out what the minimums are. But it was to us, it was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and we were like, Oh shit. Here here it is. It's, it's a month after South by and we don't have any offers. So we went like, hustling and went door to door and knocked and talked to distributors and said, you know, like, here's, here's what we think this movie can do. And we're all yours and whatever we can do to support it. And it didn't happen for us and didn't happen for the movie. And we door to door by like in New York, you were like, 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 like show like show up at Sony pictures classics. Like we'd set a meeting, but you know, we were going in there to make our, you guys have reps yet. Did you have anybody repping? We got, we had managers at this point. Yeah. And, um, and then when we finally, like, it was clear that that wasn't going to happen. And again, I'll take a bullet for Chris Lamole. We were just like, Hey dude, I guess our movie's not getting distribution. And he, he had, so he was like option a lose $5 million option B 
put another $5 million in to pay for distribution. And that's what he did. And he wow. showed up, he showed up so completely. And now he's like $10 million into this thing. I remember Tyler and I once, we were listening to a radio story about a mobster that had like broken somebody's knees over $100,000. I think it was $2 million. He killed somebody over like a, like $2 million. It was a big Yeah, and we're like, we're like, oh my God, we owe Chris Lamole like way more than that. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> like uh, I wonder what's going to happen. But so we got... Uh, uh, distribution plan. It was like, Hey, it's going to open in 12 theaters. And if it does well, we'll expand it to 20. And if it does well, we'll expand it to uh, 300. And if that does well, we'll expand it to 900. And if that does well, we'll expand it to 1500. And we just ground down. We had like a scientific approach because the movie we were in LA and the movie was opening in LA and we like sold tickets, basically like texted all of our friends, sold like sold tickets. And then we'd go to the screenings and we had it planned. We're like, we can be at the Lemley after the 10 a.m. screening, and then we can go to the Arclight, and then we can go to North Hollywood, and then we're going to pick up Shia, and then he's going to come with us, and then we're going to do secret Q&As, and all those people. Like We we did probably – how many Q&As did we do, Tyler, that first month? Like we, just did, we did like six a day. Yeah. You just drove around town with Shia LaBeouf in your car yeah, going yeah. to the screenings at like the movie theaters that your yeah. movie was just in yes. and like surprising people and talking to them. There yeah. were there were people that would like line up at the ticket window and they're like, hey, we're here to see it too. And we're like, nope. I don't know, man. Like you gotta you gotta think about our movie because it's playing right now. And if you if you're willing to take take a chance and see what happens, like it two's playing in, in theater one and we're playing in theater two, make a move. And they'd be like, nah. And then, and then Shia would come up. He'd been talking to somebody down the street. And he's like, well, come on, man. It's my movie. And they're like, holy shit. This is Shia LaBeouf. And it was kind of like a Bill Murray moment. They'd be like, all right. And then we'd start cheering and everybody in line would be like, we got two more. Got two more. And the yeah, guy we in the ticket booth would be like, holy shit. Have you guys told the story anywhere else? No. Like, I, this is unbelievable <laughs> i mean i'm sitting here in awe we that you guys crazy. were creating a rat like you were creating a whole energy and like rallying cry at a ticket booth for your movie we went to los the los Feliz three because that was near my house and that we would go and the afternoon that was where we'd go because we that was like the, you know we were open 12 theaters that we were in the open the los Feliz three and we would go and stand outside and i, I don't want to say which film we'd be like hey just buy a ticket to see our film. And then people would be like, we actually went to see peanut butter Falcon last week. We're here to see the other one. And I'd be like, we'll just buy it to see ours and then just go see the other one. <laughs> you know, like, and like, there was a guy who will remain name, not named who like is a director of like $150 million, like, you know, like the rock movies. And he was we were there and we're like, Hey, what's up? We wrote and direct this. We'd love you for it and saw it. And he was like, yeah, right. Sure. Like the writers and directors of a film are going to come out here and ask people to go see their movie. And we were like, no, actually, actually we are. We're those guys. And he was like, beside himself he could not fucking believe that we were like this crazy we would go into other theaters and managers would be like 
who the fuck are you? And like, whatever, dude, just turn the volume down. We got this. Like we did no permission. Nobody asked us to do it. We were going a hundred percent real. We would have to buy movie tickets to, to our own movie to go do Q and A's at our own movie. Like we were fucking crazy. I flew to Austin, Texas to make sure that they had the volume turned up in the one little theater that we were in. Like we went for it a hundred and ten percent. Like we were on the edge of crazy. Like we were fucking crazy because we knew it. I don't know, man. I mean, I hate to like. I know that there's a lot of. Uh, I know that this there's almost there's a meme out there about about people who do CrossFit and stuff. But it just sounds like guys who work out really hard, like applied the workout really hard mentality <laughs> to making a movie because that's just like the sellout. Like you sold out on the run. You sold out on the like. You left nothing in the tank, right? You were oh, like, yeah. do I have a little more? No. Am I going to keep going? Yes. Oh, dude. And I. And I I keep thinking about all those times, like that mental toughness thing of like, you know, a couple of days ago, I'm an Angelino, but I'm going to throw this out there. There was this, there was Mamba Day for Kobe Bryant. And this idea of like, can you do better? Can you do more? Like, can you work a little harder? Like, I'll go like, even deeper on, on this. I think we knew like lightning struck for us to get one shot. And the odds, if this movie didn't make its money back, that we were ever going to get another shot again as long as we lived, it wasn't going to happen. Like, this was it. Yeah. And you guys put it all out there. Like, there was like, so so you flew to Austin and talked to people in the line and made sure this. Dude, I was. I was in Austin, Texas, like having fights with the with the projectionists because they turned they were playing at five and as you played it like nine. I was like, I was like, we mixed this. You're fucking playing like they're like, well, we have older people here. And I was like, I can't fucking hear it. <laughs> like, I was like, this is crazy. Like, and they were we're in fucking like Austin, Texas, and I'm screaming at a projectionist, and they're like, who are you? You know, like I made the goddamn movie. But we knew like, it was like if every I mean every inch matters. Every everything really mattered. So like if we if we didn't if it didn't happen for us, we were gonna. I mean, I didn't have an option to go be a waiter. Like, I, again, like I, I was like, this is it. If I don't do this, I'm going to die. Like, it was that approach where it was like, there is no like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back to like management. And, you know, it was like, no, like, this is it. This is our shot. And and we didn't, you know, I was looking, Mike, I was looking at photos of us from last year. Like, we were both legitimately 30 pounds lighter. We looked so tired. I mean, like, it was, it was, and I'm so grateful we got to experience that and we got to go that hard. But like, yeah, that was, that was, we were on the edge of crazy. Like we were flying to other cities to, for, to have them turn the volume up. Like, I think we were over the edge of crazy. I think we were yeah. crazy. I probably was, wouldn't recommend that people do all of that. But I also would say like, look, like that's, that might be what it is. That might you be know what, what I, I George, I would. I, I would recommend it. <laughs> like, oh, fuck that, dude. I recommend it. Y'all go broke. Go for it. You know what? I think we learned a lot. I, I think already we were at this level of crazy. And then working with Shia, I think he worked so hard uh, every, yeah. every minute of every day going all out. Like you've heard the stories about, mm -hmm. like you've heard all the Shia stories. Yeah. And I can tell you that like, I love him so much because he went all out for us. And he also held us to an accountability that like, if we didn't go all out for him, he was going to be pissed. So like there was, <laughs> there was this team thing of like, like we fed off each other and it, and it was this, 
tornado like you guys found of your, energy. Like a weird, kind of an, an on-screen soulmate of yeah, of man. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. It was beautiful. Like I love him. I love our whole our whole team. Kind of reverberated like that, and the and the ripple effect, especially since Shia and the and Zach were the first ones there. We sort of set this tone, and then when other people showed up. You know, I've I've not made a ton of movies. I've only made one. Like I've I, I don't. I'm always like, okay, this is this is we're going all out. I think it's fairly common sometimes for a crew member, for an actor to show up and be like, cool, this is what I'm just doing for two weeks, and then I'm gonna go do something else. And I think when people came into our nucleus and saw, oh no, we are <laughs> we are striving to make this the best it can possibly be. It's life or death for us. Yeah. Well, the people met us there. It was so yeah. cool. Like, oh, oh my god, you get like Thomas Hayden Church crying in the woods, you know, like because he did a scene with Shia the first time. He's like, I didn't know we were doing it like that. <laughs> I, like, I didn't know we were doing it like that, but here I am. Like, here I am for you. Like, I will bleed for you. It's a really powerful and inspiring thing to be part of that. People want to believe and want to get behind things, man. You guys gave people something. You gave them, you inspired them to care that much because you did. I mean, that's beautiful. Um, what so after you know what what happened so you had the release yeah we we put it out we put it out like in 12 theaters and it did pretty well and it you know it didn't we didn't like kill it but it did really well and then we went to like 30 or something and we kind of like slowly week by week just kept going and we we were in theaters until december yeah from august to december word of mouth did a really good job yeah it's cool. There's a, there's a new bump right now. It just became free on Amazon Prime and Hulu and Netflix UK. And there's this there's this like second wave that's happening of all these people watching it for free online right now, which is kind of cool. And and so what's next? Like you guys like like where like like once that happens, where does the energy go? Like are you guys on you guys are on to the next thing? Are you guys like Yeah, we like, we grind pretty hard. Like even we knew, you know, like as much as we're telling you about this grind, like we knew if we had a shot, you know, the door was cracked open. Yeah. You know, we're writing, we're like, you know, like all of a sudden, like if we're allowed in, you know, we fought really hard to get our foot in the door and then all of a sudden the door's open. <laughs> We came in throwing haymakers. Yeah, we, we planned. I actually remember, Tyler, like the week leading up to South by Southwest, we were putting like polished touches on two other scripts that we'd been writing during the edit of Peanut Butter Falcon. So like if this question came up from somebody that actually could help us make a movie, it's like, okay, actually we have these two things. Can uh, you help it's us? It's so smart. For anybody out there, like it, it's always the thing that comes up like, okay, what else? What next? Like that, like I just did it in the in the context of this interview, but that like professionally, you go to a festival with a short, people are going to be like, the best that's going to come often is someone will be like, so what are you working on now? Or do you have anything else you're working on? Like, and if you only have a half-baked idea and you don't have that finished thing, that's a problem, right? Yeah, we, we had two polished scripts. So... You know, we've been developing those. I'm really excited about the people that we're making them with. And then now in this time of COVID where we thought we were going to be shooting our next movie, you know, that's pushed into next year. So you had and, something greenlit that you were going to start shooting. Yeah. I mean, yellow lit. What does greenlit even mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah. Greenlit, I guess, doesn't happen until you're on set, really. Uh, yeah. We're getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Where you get distribution. 
Yeah. Right. So, so you know, we have, like, we're making a movie with, like, Phil Lord and Chris Miller producing, and they're, like, the coolest thing that's come out of this is, like, having people that we respect so much and are so good at story helping us make our next thing and give notes that make it 30% better. You know, like, that's so fucking cool. Um, so, you know, hopefully that will be shooting in spring. Um, and then what I was going to say about during COVID, like, Tyler and I were just like, okay, cool, I guess... Like we're not going to see basketball games. I guess we should just write three more scripts. Like I, I think we've written <laughs> like two or three more scripts. And I'm like, this is cool. This this time's a gift. So if we do get to start shooting things soon, I, th- I think we've got a couple of years worth of stuff lined up. And also understanding that like I'm I'm maybe less delusional than I even was about Peanut Butter Falcon. I realized that was sort of a miracle. Like I I I know the odds are that half the stuff we've worked on isn't going to happen. So like not counting those chickens before they've hatched, or maybe it won't happen for 10 years. You know, you hear the, like the Jojo rabbit story of like, Oh, Taika had that written, but he had to go and make Thor and wilder people before somebody would actually pay for Jojo rabbit. So it's like, it's always a process and just staying tuned in for like what's ready to happen right now in the best way that it can be made without forcing it. And if we have to sit on it, like we have a, a thing we just sent off to a friend yesterday that we're like, Oh, I love that. And we're not even going to try to make it for six months or a year because it just needs time to sit. I want to say I would have said that it's a miracle for sure. But having heard your guys' story, I don't think it's a miracle. I think you guys willed it into existence. Like you did not like you fought all the way through and you made it happen. And that like there's there's things that break your way, but there's so many things that don't. You know, that I, that I, it sounds like a miracle, but it, but it was hard earned. Like, and, and I think like, I would expect that the, the opportunities are going to keep coming because people love that energy, like in like that passion and dedication to getting it done and seeing it through. Like, I, I mean, we I care a lot. Yeah. It's just rare though. So many people don't, you know, like, and, and I think that that's a, just a great lesson. I was, I was saying the other day, um, it's funny, uh, Jordan, I, I agree with you. I think we worked really, really hard. And I do think there was some uh, beautiful power above our head thing that was, you know, I don't know if it, sometimes I wonder if stories have souls and they're like helping us guide them to get them into, you know, like what that is. Because a movie is a really interesting thing because it's a non-tangible object that seems to affect us all in a very interesting way. How does that happen? So yeah. one of the stories or that thing when we, you know, when you're working out and you had that clarity of mind and you see mm-hmm. the story very clearly, I'm like, oh, is that the, you know, the, that thing that's coming to me or, you know, whatever hippie stuff it is, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that feeling when you're writing, I've heard I people do. talk about it. Yeah. I think there was a uh, Robert town. Who's like one of the great screenwriters of all time. I remember seeing him at a Q and a once and he said something about writing that I completely identified with, not to the tune of writing Chinatown, obviously, but like. He said, sometimes the best parts are when the story is leading you like in a dance. Yes. yes. God, that's the best feeling, you know? And, and I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. But oh, I was going to say that, uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I do feel like we worked really hard and I acknowledge that it was a miracle. And like, I was thinking this yesterday. I, I think that the peanut butter Falcon is something it's like as somebody who's lived a good life i can really look at that and i know like the miracle of birth or the miracle of like creating other humans like peanut butter falcon to me is the 
most clear representation of a miracle. It is miraculous. It is I, like it, an all accord should not exist. It, it is to me, it's like as weird as it sounds. I don't know how to articulate this. So I'll just say it, but it, it lets me know it, it encourages me. I believe in some sort of higher power because of that film. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> like, I mean, I hear you. Like, I, I think that it's, uh, it's just there's, it's so hard to do what you guys did. That how could you not see it that way? You know, it's so rare that it works. It's so rare at every step of the way. Like getting the piece, piecing, like you said, your metaphor of, of brick by brick is truly what it is. It's kind of like what life is, though. But like it, you piecing it together, so many places it can all go wrong. You know. And, and so many times it can get knocked down and you have to start over. Oh yeah. Yeah. For it to come together is, it is miraculous. And and it is also a testament to the, the commitment, like. And places that it, that it will get knocked down. I mean, there was Tyler and I went to Georgia, you know, after we sort of had that green light, which, you know, is always a yellow light until you're done. And (laughs) it's still a yellow light. Maybe it's never. Yeah. (laughs) Like like we had, we were going to make the movie with like, Ben Foster in the Shire role and Josh Brolin in the Thomas Hayden Church role. And that's sort of was necessary for the financiers to feel okay about spending that much money. And then Ben's wife got pregnant and he was like, Hey man, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be with my family at that time. I'm not going to be able to do the movie. And we're like, Oh God. Oh God. We're like, it's not happening. And then Josh booked Deadpool two and he wasn't going to be able to give us a couple days and like our financiers were like, cool, yeah, guys, like the movie's not going to happen. You know, we have like a week to replace those people or it's not happening. And um, and then another sort of miraculous thing, like Ben had sent that trailer that we shot just with just the four of us to Shia with our phone numbers and Shia FaceTimed us and was just like, hey, I'd love to make this movie. Hey, this is Shia. I'd love to make this movie. Can I, can I do this? Wait, he just stepped in that week between those guys having to drop out and you having a, like a don't do not play. Basically Shia just FaceTimed you. Like you didn't even like call him first. Well, we had our our number on the script. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's miraculous. Yeah. It's a miracle. (laughs) Like he straight up was holding, holding the phone. He's like, "Hey, it's, I'm Shia LaBeouf," and we were like, "Yes, yes, we're aware." <laughs> I'd like to do this movie. Can I please do it? And we were like, uh, "Yes, you certainly can." Uh, let me think about that for a second. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so, so, so then everything else started coming in after that. The other pieces, like. Yeah, I think Shia is sort of an actor's magnet. You know, I think it, it really helped get other actors in there as well that were like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be in a Shia LaBeouf movie. And, you know, we just kept pushing. Again, put 40 more bricks on the wall. Yeah, right. That's amazing. Um, well, I don't. I know you guys have a call with David Duchovny or something. And I know you guys are, you have a lot to grind on. I don't want to keep you forever. This was amazing. And I better than I could have expected. And... You guys, I'd love to have you back. Like you, you have a lot to offer to the world that's learning about how to make movies and how to stick with it. And uh, you can come back anytime. Well, <laughs> thank podcast. you so much, George. And, and I'm not blowing smoke. Like I read no film school probably four times a day. Like I know when the new posts go up, if I'm having a moment of like, I'm just going to go fuck around on the internet. Like my first stop is no film school. Yeah, we're big, like, well, 
let us know what we're doing right or wrong too. Like, you know, better than I do, you know, oh, if you're reading, that. like, like we will, we will, we'd love to hear like, what do you think we need more of? And, and what, and, and if you guys ever want to write, like, if you just have things you want to write about, let me know. By the way, I think it was pretty funny because, uh, something with no film school, I think we tried to reach out to do a podcast to tell this story and they're like, Oh, they're not really interested or something happened. Mike, we're like, the PR people. Yeah. And I was so butthurt because I was like, we are no film school. Like you we really are. are. No, are, you like, are. we're the people. We're the ones. And they're like, yeah, they just don't really care. They don't want to do any podcast or anything. And or like a piece on you. And I was like, why? <laughs> so sad. Because well, I'm not I'm not I'm people. not saying this. I'm not I'm uh, this is actually true. Like that was not for me. I don't know who, where it came from, but like, you know, that was not like, I didn't come, I didn't come across and be like, nah, we're not going to do it. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that comes through, you know, and like, you know, there's a lot of movies and, and we often will reach out to people and be like, we want to do this. And like, but this is the crazy thing about the way all of this works is that all that, all the story you guys have told me today about making this movie, like nobody knows that. Like, so it's hard for anybody to know, like, and I'm glad we're going to be able to put it out there, but um, we didn't know. And I don't, probably your PR people like didn't know how to present it as so, like, to, dog, you know, by the way, just like on some real, like a year later, we can finally talk about it stuff. We were told not to talk about this stuff. Cause it was, it was, uh, it was dangerous. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's the, the, yeah, that, and, but that's like, everybody's like, no, don't tell them how little you made it for, or don't tell them that it almost didn't go, or don't tell them, you know, because everybody's trying to protect that information, right? Yeah, and sell, but, but they're not good storytellers. That's not a good story. Like, that's the, like, like, don't tell them the good story. It's like, this is a miracle. <laughs> we survived eight nights on one night of oil. We should talk about this. It's a <laughs> I was thought eight nights on one chicken and half a yam. <laughs> Yeah, like like the miracle that Peanut Butter Falcon deserves to be told. We're doing a a TV show kind of like loosely based on our time uh, when we were living in that tent. And um, (laughs) I I remember being like, who's going to play you guys? uh, Yes. Two young women. uh, Caitlin Deaver and Joey King. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's true, by the way. Um, That's awesome. We were like, this is a miracle. Like this is a fucking miracle and they were like yeah but you know you shouldn't tell people because it makes you look not professional and we were like we're not we're we're two fucking idiots who worked really hard and somehow got here like this is amazing uh so it's nice to be able to share it with you um over there at no film school because it's beautiful amazing no no it's beautiful it's it's it is you're right it is no film school you're right it is a good story and a miracle and uh Everyone can relate. And I, I admittedly also really want, like, I really want people who are out there trying to make their films to make them. You know, yeah. I want to be like, because I know I'm like, look, we, we slashed our way through the jungle with two machetes. And let me show you the path we took. And maybe you can. And, and, and we're not any different than a lot of your readers. Not I think there's a lot of times that like, like there's a lot of, I don't know higher end Hollywood positioning that it's like, well, not just anybody can do this, you know, like we're a, we're a big studio or like we went to a fancy film school and like, that's, that's not us. Like, that's the thing that I think is, is interesting. And like, we were so excited about, especially for talking to you is like, no, anybody can do it. Like we have the opposite message. It's like, anybody can do it. And I'm not saying like, we're the perfect example, but like, 
we're one of a bunch of no film school readers that just happen to like line this up and there is no like magical seed. You don't have to go to film school. You don't have to have an agent or a manager and you don't have to have a studio that says you're great. Like you can just be a couple of idiots with, with an idea and don't, that don't stop working. Yeah. I was going to say that part of the working hard, like that's, that's the, that's the thing. Like you make your own luck, right? Luck yeah. is, you know, you like you, you make up, you keep picking up the weight and you get stronger. Just keep picking up the weight. Add a little more, keep picking up the weight. Yeah. But, um, I'm glad we shared it and I couldn't agree more. I always like one of the things with no film school for me from the beginning of getting involved is like, I want to see, the, those movies. I want to see people's movies like Peanut Butter Falcon. I want more movies like that and more storytellers that committed and more exciting stuff like that in the sphere and less stuff that people don't care about when they're making it. Like that, this is what we want, you know, in, in our community, in our world, these kinds of stories. So, so thank you guys for fighting that fight and for being here today. Oh, I'm really yeah, well, right on, George. Thanks again for having us. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you have any questions for us, comments, concerns, thoughts about this podcast or others, you can always email us at editor at nofilmschool.com or ask at nofilmschool.com. Please also like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast, share it on your social medias, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, head over to nofilmschool.com and see all the cool things we are writing about and publishing every single day. But please let us know, let me know what you thought of this interview and what you thought of Tyler and Michael. I, for one, was blown away by their story and their tenacity and their hard work and their dedication. And these are things that get tossed around a lot. Uh, but I've just, I, I have to say, I've been around for a while and I've never met anybody who worked as hard and put the elbow grease into this thing this way. And I think that is inspiring and illuminating because if you're not willing to do that, you know, somebody else is, if you're not going those extra inches and, and centimeters, then maybe it's not what you want enough. And I really think that that's something to consider. Uh, but these guys, they fucking did it and they pulled it up. And, um, I love that. And I think that that is just a beautiful story. And um, plus, we talked about like heroin laced shrimp and, and diarrhea. So what's not to love? Thanks so much for listening. And uh, be sure to check out all our other interviews. We have so many good interviews on this podcast. And it's not because of me. It's because of the amazing guests who want to talk to all of you. Um, from Jeff Cronin with uh, David Fincher's cinematographer. You have to listen to that one. To Don Porter, who made the documentary the way i see it to um larry Schur, who shot the joker last year um to jonathan frakes commander Riker of star trek not to mention like a uh, celebrated longtime television and feature film director check out all the interviews um there's so much good stuff and and these people do these interviews because they want you they want to talk to you and teach you so thanks again mm -hmm.